Welcome back to the I Drink From Skulls podcast. It's your host, Matt Smith here. And with me today, I have the Terra from Tampa, founder and CEO of South Shore Roofing and Exteriors, a family man, and a dude who's done some pretty cool stuff, gone from zero to $12 million per year in, in just three years, Mr. Corey Combs. Welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Matt. I like it, the, the Terra from Tampa. Yeah, I just came up with that one. I was trying to come up with something. The trusted guy from Tampa, terrorizer from Tampa. I had to come up with something. That's yeah, what I did. I like it, man. We'll, we'll go with that. <laughs> Let's go. I drink from skulls. Drink from the skulls of my enemies. So, my man, who is Corey? Who is Corey Combs? Uh, that is a, I think that's a, that's a multifaceted question, man. I'm a husband, I'm a business owner, and uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a person in recovery. I am a, I'm a lot of things, man. Um, and it's changed a lot throughout the years, man, you know, and I think that now, um, if I had to, if I had to put my finger on an identity, I think I just want to be a guy that leaves a positive impact on people. I've been thinking a lot about yeah. that lately, man. I love that. And I see you sort of living that out in, you know, where we've been connected for quite a while now, the value that you share, trying to help people in the industry and, and even, you know, just business and, and people in general. So I definitely see you living that out. How long in recovery of, of we have that in common. Um, so December 28th was 12 years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Congratulations. That's great. I'd probably be about the same. What are we in 2023? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be about the same, 11 or 12 yep. years. And that's, you know, 100%, you know, abstinent from everything. Um, that's just that's just my personality, man. I'm either I'm all or nothing. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, yeah, um, things have changed a lot. Uh, since 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 sober up and for sure I love that I think I saw you post something about that or talk about that that like whatever the person's journey is is cool whether fully you know not not touching anything includes alcohol or it doesn't it just depends on the person whether it was drugs or whatever their addiction is it's it's independent to them and I I took a lot out of that I thought that was great yeah it was an interesting question it was like what do you what's your view on what's yeah. your view on recovery or or something to that effect and that was it you know I, I think for me personally I you know I look at it as abstinence from all drugs but you know some people um, you know they get off the hard stuff and they smoke weed or whatever it is and that's great yeah. you know like whatever your journey is, I'm not one of those sticklers. It's like, ah, you know, you're whatever. Like, it's fine. You know, to thy yeah. own self be true is probably one of the best um, things you can live by because it really doesn't matter if you're living a good life and it's what you want. It, it doesn't matter. Now, if you say that I'm in recovery, I think we might need to define that because I think that's a really yeah. specific thing that, you know, is abstinence from all mood and mind altering chemicals and that's that yeah. you know that's just how i view it i think a lot of people that are watching or listening along are going to get some benefit from that because there's this that we all i think there's a very common al a common thing here with with the addictive personalities it seems to be very common in the the roofing and business space mm. so appreciate it, you sharing. it's really i think it's one of the things that that makes some of us su successful you know i mean it's yeah. um it's that fear of like never being good enough. And, and I think that is most of the people I've talked to in recovery, 
they just feel uncomfortable. They feel uncomfortable with their skin. They, you know, it's the fear of not being good enough. It's, you know, all of these things that are coupled with some sort of trauma, you know, that most people I've talked to have. And when you take, you know, when you take away the substances, you still have that, like, you know, that drive that I don't know if I'm good enough. So I'm just going to work my ass off. And some of it is just like, you know, um, my, I just, I have this thing where I, I don't ever feel like I do enough. And yeah, I've gotten a lot better at that the last couple of years. And I think with that, I've been able to like focus a little bit more on helping other people and being less self-absorbed because I think that's another thing in addictive people. We get really self-absorbed and zeroed in on what we're doing and the people in my life, yeah. you know, they pay the, they pay the price for that. And so, you know, I, I, I told this uh, uh, when I was doing the podcast with Joseph Hughes, but it was such a, it was just such a interesting moment. Like I have a friend who, uh, you know, Dave Carroll from Dope Marketing um, was talking oh, yeah. to him and my name came up and Dave, we don't know each other. Right. But he said, man, that dude seems kind of angry. Right. Just from some of the stuff that he fires off at people, you know, and, uh, and my buddy's like, no, he's a great dude, you know? And yeah, then he, you know, he told me about it. He's like, Dave, you know, his interaction with David. And I, and I said, you know what, Dave, I, I, I messaged him. I said, I appreciate you saying that, man, because you never really know how you come off until somebody just pulls off the gloves and just says whatever, you know? And I really appreciated yeah. that. And I, you know, at that point I was like, man, I, you know, I, I think I need to be, take a different tact and, and come from a different vantage point. That's going to permeate all the way through my life. And that's been really where I've, I've focused on just trying to be, more helpful and genuine with people. Cause that's really how I want to not only behave, but that's how I want to uh, come off as well. Yeah. I guess I could see how Dave would have seen it that way, not knowing you, but if, like having known you and, you know, we've, we've known each other for quite a while mm-hmm. now. Some of it's out of uh, love and, and a bit of frustration to the roofing yeah. industry. And a lot of it's tongue in cheek too. Yeah. And we have that yeah. in common. <laughs> so I could, I could, but I could see from an outsider looking in, it could look like a little bit of anger. I, I grew up in, <laughs> but I know. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the trades, man. I mean, you, 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 you fuck with people. That's just yeah. the way it is, man. Yeah. 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 If you're not busting balls, are you really in the trades? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd love to go. Oh, no, I was going to say, so I think, you know, I, I think um, uh, the, the last thing I want to say about that is, you know, I think what really did me a lot of good was, you know, we, we were watching a football game and I think everybody in, you know, American football, not soccer. And, you know, yeah. one of the guys got hurt, you know, DeMar Hamlin, he got hurt. And the, the reaction that everybody had to that was just, you know, of the most care and all the teams acted so classy, all the coaches acted really classy. I mean, the whole sport and the whole country was just concerned about this young man and you know his well-being and it really got me thinking I thought a lot about that man and I you know it's like these guys are super competitive you know they they all want to win they all want to have the best team and yet they put everything aside and just you know prayed for this guy talked about, you know, helping him. I mean, all of these different things. They just, it, so it really showed me like, you know, when you have a united, uh, when you have a, a united goal, how powerful that is. And so, 
Yeah. You know, I've, I've been talking to a lot of guys and I really have, you know, even locally reached out to some, some business owners, roofing company owners that we've kind of chatted over the years and I'm like, Hey guys, let's, you know, let's get together once or twice a month and, you know, just have like an owner's breakfast and talk, you know, and support each other and help each other not only deal with, cause this is, this is a hard business, man. You gotta have some thick skin or else it'll eat your lunch. You know, yeah. and that's really kind of where I'm at for 2023 is just really making that, that a goal of mine and make it a reality so that we can really come together with a common goal, which is to elevate the industry without the profit motive. That's the key. Yeah. You know, we're not saying we hate money. We're not saying we hate money. What no. I'm saying is we're not selling anything other than trying to help each other just be better at running and owning a business because it's not just, yeah. it's not just the the guys that do RoofCon, Hunter and all those guys, uh, Diego. Yeah. Yeah. Good dudes. They do a great job at like yeah. talking about, you know, getting yourself prepared and being a better human being so that you can be a better business owner. But there's a profit motive there, right? They're selling something. Gotcha. Yeah. And I don't fault yeah. them for that. I'm not saying that I fault them for that at all. No, not at all. But not everybody has access to that, right? Yeah. So it's more about like how can we how can we do this where people aren't, you know, guarding their wallet. Look, I make my money running my roofing company. I'm not trying to sell you my coaching program or any of that stuff. And I think yeah. You know, like AA is a great example. You get a bunch of people with a common goal and they change lives and there's no money involved. So yeah. that's kind of my thought on it. I love that. Something I learned probably, it's only 18 months ago, but you, the, the big takeaway or the big learning th- that I sort of uncovered was that you, you do need to be hanging around people who are like, let's say you're a business owner. You need to be hanging around other business owners who who also have families if you have a family because it just makes sense. They're going to understand your pains. They're going to understand your frustrations. They're also going to – they might be able to share some insights on what they're doing. It doesn't necessarily have to be in the same industry, but at least they, they're in the same mentality. They're in the same mindset, and they're going to get it. So I love that you're putting that together. And I have seen you. You've started sort of just helping a few people and – not a few, but I've seen you take a few people under the wing and, and really show them the ins and outs and things like that. That's really cool, man. It's very admirable. Yeah. I got a, I got a kid that, you know, he's in Louisiana and he reached out to me. He's like, look, man, you know, I'm, I'm really struggling here. I got some guys working for me. And he said, you know, can you give me an hour a week? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. And so, and he's on it, man. I mean, every week, you know, same time you got, you know, you meet this. And, and so he asked really great questions and, we talk about the real things it takes to run a successful business, like really understanding every single facet of what you do. And, you know, you have this, I've always heard this, you know, type of mindset where it's like, well, you don't have to know everything in your business. You can hire for it. There's a big problem with that. And I'm not saying you have to be an expert of going up on the roof and installing whatever type of roof system it is, but you damn well better know at least pretty well all the roof systems that you install so you can teach your guys how to sell them right and you can have you can hire the right crews to install those and i think more importantly you can watch somebody and make sure they know what they they're doing and if you don't that's how you get screwed and there's so there's a lot of learning involved for you to be able to effectively run your business and you see it in your industry 
I mean, I'm just preaching to the choir here. Anybody yeah. with a laptop in their mom's basement thinks they can be a digital marketer. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. There's a few of them out there. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he's, you know, he's, he wants to learn and, you know, he's, he's reading, you know, he's reading the books that I've, I've suggested to him and he's talking to me about it. So yeah, man, I'm a hundred percent willing to share what I got to help somebody because he genuinely wants to be a good owner so that the guys that work for him, he can stay in business and, and make sure they earn a living. And I take that really, yeah. really seriously. Yeah. yeah. I love that. So let's, let's go back a little bit. You've, you started a new location, moved to Tampa, but you're not from Tampa. Is that right? You were from, you resided in Buffalo, nice chilly winters. I'm from, well, you had an operation. Born and raised in Tampa. Oh, Tampa. You yeah, moved back. Yeah. Um, my lovely wife moved here and in 2008, everything crashed. So I think around 2009, 2010, we decided to move to Buffalo. I'd lived in Florida my whole life. I'm like, yeah, why not? You know? And yeah. it was good, man. I, I actually learned a lot. I, I went to a work for a really big remodeling company there. And I, I, I really, I learned a lot from the owner. Man, I really did. It was, it was a super, yeah. super valuable. I, I was doing sales for them and I was, you know, their highest grossing salesman every year by a lot. I mean, I smashed, yeah. you know, every sales record they had. And in turn, you know, they, you know, they were really forthcoming with kind of teaching me, uh, the business, the, the business side of things that how they did things, which was extremely helpful, Yeah. but their production department was a shit show. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad and it wasn't that it was, it wasn't organized. Um, it was just that it, it's very difficult to find labor up there. Very, very difficult. So uh, so I learned a lot with them, but, but anyway, yeah, I'm from Tampa. Um, we started in Tampa and then we just opened up another location, uh, down in Southwest Florida, obviously, because there was a need, um, after yeah. Hurricane Ian. So we're running two locations now and, uh, it's, you know, that's another learning experience, man, because there's things that you think, you know, and you don't realize, you know, you didn't cover those things until they crop up, you know? So, yeah. so that's what, that's what we got going on now. I love that. What are some of those things? Like, let's dig a bit into that, that you've experienced. So um, you you have these processes that are based on if everything goes exactly the way it should, right? You generally don't have like on a standard operating procedure, you generally don't have a bunch of detours because you can't, you can't write out a process for everything that might come up. And I'll give you a good example. <clears throat> Down in Cape Coral, their building department absolutely does not function like any semblance of any sane building department ever would. They here um, in my area, most of the time you can pull a permit immediately. You can schedule an inspection and the inspectors will be out there the next day to do your inspection. So it's a pretty seamless process. And so when we got down there and we figured out that like, it's just complete chaos you can't get an inspection the next day. You have to get whatever's available and it could be three weeks. And these are in progress, meaning while you're building the roof, these aren't final inspections. So you can't actually, yes, you can't actually do the job or finish the job until these intermittent inspections are done. And so we had to, 
That's yeah. Cool. So we had to figure out how to operate around that because we've never come, you know, we've never come in into that situation before. So you just have to work with your installation crews and be able to have a, you know, a production department that can learn on the fly and we can all get together really quickly and figure out how we're going to operate around that. And so we've figured it out for the most part. Yeah. And the, the important thing on that is we pay our labor piece rate, meaning they only get paid with what they produce. And so they get really pissed if they can't just do their job and make their money. And so if you keep having roadblocks for them to be able to finish their job so they can make money, they're not going to work for you. So it's, it's extremely challenging to keep production rolling really efficiently when you have several building departments that aren't efficient. And so I think that's probably the biggest one that I can, can give you the biggest example I can give you recently. That makes a lot more sense. Now, my buddy, um, Tim Nuspec just, it was either just before the hurricane hit or just after he messaged me and said, 99% 99% of the out-of-town contractors that come and hit this hurricane will be broke or bankrupt in 12 months, and all I want is a is a goddamn draw. Um, but that makes a lot more sense with how you've explained it as to why that yep. will happen. We obviously hope that doesn't happen, but those nuts and bolts, they're, they're very important. They are, and having a good, you know, having a good production department is critical to be able to, you know, look at those challenges. And I, I, we had a one person in our office, all she did was sit on the phone all day with these different building departments and try to figure out with them how to get these homeowners taken care of in uh, in a way that's somewhat coherent. Because I mean, look, they yeah. had a you know they had a, a disaster to deal with. So I'm not faulting yeah. them. I mean, they just you know they got thrown to the wolves too. And so, yeah. you know, it was, it was upon us to like kind of figure out, okay, these are their limitations and how can we operate knowing the limitations, how we, how can we operate around that? I don't think a lot of people ha- have the ability to do that. No, there's, there's like no attention around that. It's not sexy. The, the big branding and the big focus that we all see is sales and leads and, and whatever else and revenue closing deals. Yeah. But if there's no focus on the back end, it falls falls in a heat pretty quickly, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, guys, even guys like, you know, big guys that are very experienced, like Apple roofing, you know, you know, they were having issues too, you know, and, you know, they, and, you know, people, people want to trash everybody. I've never heard anything but good things about those guys. And, you know, they they were having, you know, they were having some issues and they, you know, they had to get it dialed in too. And yeah, it's, it's the, the, the people that are going to, that are going to take the, the the perspective of like, how do I get this dialed in? How do I take care of my customers? And how do I, you know, create processes so that we can d- deal with the conditions? And so how do we, how do we change to meet conditions? I, I guess would probably be the best way to describe that perspective. And have you seen like just putting that type of value on the customer um, have you seen them come back to you or alternatively, have they sent you, you know, family and friend and, and referrals and things like that? Oh yeah. I mean, our, our referral game is super, super strong. And what I think is also an important distinction for everybody to know, like I do not operate in the restoration space at all. Um, hundred percent retail. When we go out, yeah. when we go out and 
you know, even with Ian, even with stuff going on with Ian, we tell the homeowners like, look, you get your check and then you hire us to do your roof. Like we're not, and the, the carriers now too in Florida, you call them up as a roofing contractor. They're just like, I don't even have to talk to you. Go fly a kite. You know what I mean? So yeah, that, those, those days are over. And so with being a hundred percent retail, you have to knock it out of the park for your customers, your reputation, your brand and your reviews are everything, man. Because yeah. you, people got to, you got to help people understand why they're going to spend a bunch of money with you and not price shop you. Right. And so you better bring some value to the table. Absolutely. What's some of those value things that you guys bring? Like what, what, how do you guys separate yourself in a very competitive market? Um, my biggest thing is helping my sales guys understand how to set the right expectations with the homeowner. So that's number one. That's the first thing. Yeah. But we show them all the way through how we answer the phone to our sales process, to our client intake process when they sign the contract all the way through to you know the, the job completion that we operate differently. And customer service is 100% at the forefront of what we do. And you know people, yeah. we always sort of, the way we set ourselves apart when we go out and we talk to the homeowners, we say, listen, like you don't really know how badly you need a quality contractor until something goes wrong, right? Yeah. And we're extremely effective with how we approach that with a homeowner. And I think the other thing too is instead of going out to talk to the homeowner and telling them what they need, we actually, our whole sales process is based on questions and not on information giving. So it's very consultative. Yeah. And it's, and it's, it's more, more geared towards how, how to, how do we relate to them and, and how do we tailor our approach based on how they're viewing their project, right? And I'll give you a good example of this. My favorite quote from a book I read is he said, in the information age, people are information rich, but context poor, right? Mm-hmm. And that's great. that line, what that line means to me is I've got to figure out what information these people have already gathered meaning they do their internet research. When you ask them, you know, what are your concerns with this project? Or what are you looking for in the company you hire? Or, you know, I'm sure you've gotten other estimates. Have any of these other contractors talked about any installation materials or methods that are, that you want me to include in my quote? And so if you ask questions like that, It'll give you a real insight into either A, they've done a lot of internet research, they've looked at you know materials and reviews, and those are going to be a little bit harder to overcome because they already think they know everything, right? So all they're looking for yeah. is the pricing so that they can use whatever criteria it is. I still am baffled by the logic that a lot of people use to choose contractors, but... yeah. They're, they think they just need some numbers so they can pick whoever's best for them when they actually don't really know what that is. And so, or you find out that they haven't really done a whole lot of homework other than looked at reviews. And then now we can yeah. sort of talk about that. So you just kind of know who you're dealing with and sort of how they're viewing the purchase. And then we can approach them in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. 
I can see a lot of guys don't don't do it that way. So that's some great insights. Yeah, and we go into the attic, which nobody does. And I find that just obscenely yeah. crazy that nobody goes in the attic and, and looks at, you know, the ventilation, the plywood and see if they have leaks and do all those things. And you'd be amazed how people are like, wow, you're the only one in the attic. You must know what you're talking about. We'll give you our business, right? It's, it's just go. one simple yeah. step uh, that, I, that I think is absolutely necessary that nobody does. So, yeah. Hey. Do you think people don't do that from just from laziness? Are they trying to get out of there too quick, or are they just not experienced? Um, I think that I think the answer to, is yes to all of those. Gotcha. You know, and I think the I think the other thing is they're learning from somebody that's not experienced, and so there's a there's a dilution yes. there of what actually needs to happen. Yeah, goes back to what you were talking about before, where the focus is on you know, getting someone to sign a contingency or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're trying to make a yeah. sale. But if they don't understand the process and, and what needs to happen, it falls apart very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, your question was, what are some of those value things? And I think the the, the biggest one is, you know, we act in a manner that people can see that we're experienced and my guys are really well trained, not only on the sales side, but also on the technical stuff. So they can, they can really help people, you know, when they have questions and all of that stuff. And so I think the value is that um, everybody that comes to work for me is just very, very well trained all the way through sales and inspection processes so that people can get with it. And sometimes they figure out, you know, that we might not be a good fit for them or vice versa. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the, I think that's the real value we bring on the front end. I kind of know the answer, but I'd like everyone else to hear your send you know the wrong type of customer away you don't just take on anyone's business i'm guessing we try um sometimes they sometimes they get through and then they're nightmares but yeah i'll give you a really concrete example of this so one of my guys called me so my sales manager was on vacation so one of my one of my sales guys said hey can we do a quick zoom so we get on and he said i gave this lady an estimate for her roof and then all her softened fascia just completed completely rotted out we got to do all of it. Right. And I said, yep, we got to do all of it. Yeah. He said, here's my pricing for it. And I looked at everything. I was like, yeah, you're pretty right on point with pricing. It was, it was 15 grand to do all this off in fascia. Right. So he comes back to me a couple of days later and says, she's really having a hard time getting over our pricing because there's guys that are telling them that they can just piece in the soft and fascia. Uh, so yep. I said, okay, let me ask you a question. Do you want to deal with somebody that's hyper-focused on price when we know as professionals, we're going to do this, we're going to, we're going to piece this in, it's going to look like shit. We know it for a fact. She's going to be unhappy yeah. and now we have a whole other can of worms that we got to deal with. Or do we want to be the professionals, tell her this is how it has to be done. Here's why. Here's our price. We'd love your business. If you don't want to do it this way, have a great day. And... Yeah. We didn't get her business. She's going to be yeah. somebody else's nightmare to deal with, right? Yeah. She was hyper-focused on price. That's not what we do. Provide a we provide a solution and we tell people what needs to be done uh, so that they get the product that not only we can stand behind a warranty, but that they're going to be happy with. Yeah. And if they just don't see it that way, that's okay. We're, we're just not going to do business together. I've learned that lesson so yeah. many times over the year trying to fit into a customer's budget 
And it just, it rarely works out. I've experienced the same sort of thing in, in this sort of industry. You have to know your, your values and what you stand for and then stick by them. So it ends up hurting you, doesn't it? It does. And, you know, I think the, the other thing about that is if you have somebody that you can't help them understand the value of going with somebody that's a little bit, I wouldn't even say more money, but that's just more thorough, more detailed is recommending really things from a best practices standpoint. And because of that, there's obviously value to that and it's going to increase the cost. If they don't understand that, they're never going to see the value and all of the other things that you do behind the scenes that make all of that run smoothly. And so I don't want to work for those people anymore. I don't, we don't, I don't have to work for those people anymore. We've, we've gained a reputation to where people are like, you know, yes. And, and you can see it in our reviews. They're like, you know, we paid a little bit more, but absolutely was worth the money. Everything went perfectly yeah. or, you know, Hey, we had an issue. They took care of it. We're on top of it, you know, whatever it is. Um, so yeah, we don't, I don't, and, and then if they're assholes, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other situation. I mean, if they're assholes right off the bat, I tell my sales guys, like, look, if yeah. they're, if they're not nice and they're not pleasure to deal with, walk away. I'm dealing with, yeah, I'm dealing with one right now that, that slipped through and it's just every single time, man. <laughs> you know, Some of them are very crafty. They know what to say to get you to, to do the work. And then when it comes to yep. the business end of things, they are a bit of a nightmare. Yeah, we get a, we get a three page email from him every single night. Oh, I mean, man. it's like, Really? Yeah, it just of <laughs> nonsense, you yeah. know. And you know that you know after that, you know you know what's coming at the end of the job. Well, I had to manage this job, and I don't think I should have to pay the full. I mean, I I know it's coming. So yeah, yeah, that's that's my take on that. If you had to, what would be some advice if you were starting a, a brand new location or in the early days of of building up a roofing and contracting business? Are we talking about somebody that's that's got experience in the industry or are we talking about somebody that's just sort of starting fresh and wants to get into the industry? I would say we'd, we'd go with someone with some experience because that seems to be the, the common sort of theme. Hey, they're out there working for someone. They don't really like how it's being run or they weren't treated mm-hmm. right and they know they, can, they want to have an impact and do something differently um, so they start their own thing. Maybe we focus on that. That's, yeah, that's a little bit easier to – I think that's an easier one to kind of talk about. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the kid in Louisiana asked me the same question. He said, you know, how did you get started? And I, I can only talk about my experience. Um, and I'm sure there's yeah. other people that have had other, you know, paths to, to success – I will say a common theme that I've seen with guys that, or people, I shouldn't say guys, because there's some really successful uh, women in business too, but uh, in this industry, but a common theme with all of us is they've really done the things that, that aren't sexy, that a lot of people don't want to do. And one of the big ones that I fully believe is you have to sit down, start from where you want to end up, meaning ideally what you want your business to be. And then you have to work backwards. You have to write that out. Yeah. And then you have to figure out what all those pieces and parts look like. And I I did it over... So I started, I knew I was going to open up my business. So I sat down, I did that exercise first, and I started writing all that stuff out. And it's it's evolved and it's grown. But I had a bunch of outlines of like, 
sales and pro- like marketing, sales, production, and po- you yeah. know post project, and I had all these outlines, and I just kept you know, I, well, we need to do this, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, and it really helped me organize the structure of my business. I think that's a really good place to start because if you do that, if you have the discipline to do that, and you sit down and you think through all of those things, it'll help you understand what you don't know, right? Yeah. And then you can say, okay, well, I need to I need to figure this part out. And I don't think it has to be 100% complete for you to, to start your business, but I think you yeah. really have to have a good understanding off of doing that, how your business is going to be structured. And I actually have been sitting down and writing an outline for that very thing so that if somebody comes to me and says, Hey, you know, I need some help. I want you, you know, I, I want your help. This outline actually starts out at the origin. Like, okay, your marketing, you know, what's your value? What's your value proposition in your marketing? Who's your customer? Who are you going after? How do you plan to go after them? And who is going to execute your marketing strategy? So just even from just the beginning, you know, how much money are you going to throw into your marketing? What do you hope to accomplish with that? Then to sales, you know, are you going to have an actual sales process? What's that sales process going to look like? How are you going to train your people in that process? So I'm, I'm trying to create an outline to help these guys understand all the pieces and parts of that from the beginning all the way to post project. Yep. Yeah. So, I yeah. So I think that my, my answer Start with the end in mind. Yeah. My answer is sit yeah. down and learn learn what your business, because you have this concept in your head and we both know that until you get that stuff out on paper, you, you don't see the gaps. And then when you get it in pay, on paper, you can start to fill in those gaps and it is extremely valuable. I'd say that's the only way to start mm-hmm. really reverse engineering the outcome and then building it sort of piece by piece. Yeah. Be a very cool resource. I'm going to say. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm just doing that because and it, I mean, there's nothing proprietary about it. It's just, it's basic logic thinking through how you're going to run your business from, and I call it the customer journey because at the end of the day, like that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to acquire, you're trying to sell and you're trying to build and make that customer happy. So if you're looking at it from the customer journey, I think you'll be able to fill in all the gaps if, if that's sort of the perspective that you're looking at it from. I love that. The customer-centric, like the focus on the customer to get the win. I mean, dude, if you don't have customers, yeah. you're, you don't have a business. Yeah, you're out there asking for drawers. <laughs> you're right. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey man, uh, yeah, can I get a draw? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those are the, uh, the, 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 the crackheads that work for you, man. They need to draw every couple of days. Yeah. 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 What's, um, what's a question I should have asked you, but didn't. I think the, the question you should have asked me, but didn't is why am I so hyper-focused on trying to help people in the industry? That's a great question. Why are you? Oh, uh, well, for a couple of different reasons. So I'm going to give you the self-serving answer and then I'm going to give you um, sort of the objective answer that I tell people. The self-serving answer is I am very selfish and self-centered by nature. Um, I am. I always tell people uh, my dad's a real asshole and I inherited that. And <laughs> I don't want to be like that. And so the antidote, the antidote yeah. to that is being of service to others. And so I know that from my years in recovery. I know that I know that from 
working with people. And so helping people and being of service to people is the antidote to self-centeredness, right? So that's the self-serving, self-serving part. If you ask me, you know, as a general, you know, question, why do I do that? It's, it's because I think that the industry really needs some of these voices because there's some great people in the industry, man. I mean, there really is. And you don't hear from them because they're not trying to sell you anything. They're not, they're not, they're busy yeah. running their businesses, right? They're busy making an impact on people and servicing their customers. And I think the, there's a lot of bullshit going around on social media and it's disingenuous. It's, it's just gross to me. And so yeah. rather than being the anti of that, which Wayne Dyer always said, don't be against something before something, right? And yeah. so rather than being against that, I'm going to be for, you know, guys that are doing well, guys that are, have some real value to bring to the industry that can actually help the, you know, help the younger guys coming up, give them good information without any ulterior motive. Now I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to coach these guys and give up all of our time and all of this stuff, but at least we're yeah. going to tell them the truth on what you need to be looking at. We're not selling, we're not charlatans trying to sell them some bullshit. Right. So yeah. I think we really need some authenticity going around. And I just, I want to be one of those guys that says, Hey man, you know, let's really talk about the reality of the roofing business because at the end of the day, man, the industry and the customers are the ones that suffer. And, you know, one of the parts of our sales pitch that's extremely effective is we ask homeowners, do you know what the, the number one industry that has complaints in the Better Business Bureau? And we all know the answer. What did I say? I don't know. It's construction. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And we ask them, why do you think that is? And they've never really thought about it. Right? Yeah. And so the reason is, and I know the reason that, to, to, for this, there's a really low barrier to entry, number one. Yeah. Number two, we haven't done a good job helping really high quality individuals feel like this is a good path for them in the education system. We're always sure. pushed towards, hey, you need to go to college. You need to you know, become an engineer. You need to become a, you know, this or you need to become a that. Nobody ever says, hey, you know what? You can go into trades. You can learn a trade and you can actually have a really good business and impact a lot of people's lives in a, in a positive way. No, nobody is talking about that in school. So that's the other reason we have. So we get, as a majority, we get the guys like me who had a drug problem. And I went into the industry because I could make a decent you know, dollar and nobody else would take me. Yeah. So I luckily I sobered up um, and had some really good people in my life that taught me, you know, taught me some stuff. And so I want to give that back. Yep. I love that. You're leaving people better than you found them. That's amazing. Hopefully. <laughs> That's good, <Yeah>. my man. <laughs> Corey, you've been great today, my good friend. Um, any final words before we wrap things up? No, I, um, I appreciate what you guys are doing with some of the industry leaders that you're having on and some of the things that you guys talk about and some of the... I like the tack that you take with your sort of no bullshit approach, right? You don't call people out, but you let people know there's a lot of fuckery afoot. And if you don't want to participate in that fuckery, we're on that side of the, on the aisle. Right. And so yeah, very much like anything else, man, I appreciate that, you know, we're, we're kind of getting these people together and sticking together. And I'm hoping 
we can push out the bullshit uh, and really, you know, get some, some good authentic, you know, content and people and, you know, business owners out to the forefront instead of some of these ones that are out there now that I just can't fucking stand. (laughs) So maybe they should jump in the ring with you. I haven't, you know, I haven't been to the gym in a minute, man. I got to get, I got to get back to it. Um, I mean, I've been, you know, lifting weights, but I haven't been, uh, I haven't been to the Muay Thai gym, but yeah, man, like I'll, uh, anybody that wants to hop in the ring, man, let's fucking go. <laughs> You'll drink from this. Yeah, skull, I totally, like, I totally hate, I, I totally hate. I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll get in the ring with you, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah. He never took me up on it. Yeah. Right. No wonder. <laughs> yeah there's a couple guys i'd, I'd, I'd um, really like to uh, hop in the ring with for sure have a different sort of conversation yeah, with them. yeah let's <laughs> yeah let's really see what's what yeah mate where can people find you online if they want to connect and things like um that? i mean you can find me on facebook man uh cory combs um you can find me in the roofing groups uh, south shore roofing exteriors is our business page or you know you can reach out to me um on our website is south shore uh ssrflorida.com um, or SouthshoreContractorsTampa.com. So that's how gotcha. people can get a hold of me. Well, that's it, my friend. Thank you very much. Uh, you've been amazing. And for our guests and viewers, stay tuned for the next episode. Yeah. That hour Cheers. went by quick, man. It did, didn't <laughs> it? <laughs>